Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. You know, Paul clearly from the New Testament is without a doubt one of the greatest examples we have of a man of faith, of somebody that we can look to, learn from, glean from. But sadly, a lot of people, they just kind of place him in a different category because he was an apostle. Let me help you. He didn't even consider himself an apostle. Personally, he acknowledged it because that's what Jesus called him to be. But he said at time, he, he mentioned it over and over in different ways. I'm the least of the apostles. See, he did what he did, not because he was an apostle, simply because he walked in the faith that God gave him. I want to start off tonight with explaining something to you really quick. All right? First and foremost, realize you've already got the same faith Jesus has. You didn't hear that. You got the same faith Jesus has. God gave you a measure of faith. He didn't give you a different type. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, you have the same spirit of faith. That means you don't have a different faith than God has. You have the same kind. So thank God we can walk in the faith that God himself walks in. All we have to do is make a choice to do so. And a big part of it has to do with what we decide to do with our life and how we decide to live it. And as you and I recognize and understand who we are and what we can walk in, we can live by faith for sure, not by sight. Number one on your notes, if you have faith, guess what? You're going to have what? Backbone. If you truly walk in the God kind of faith, Bible faith, we've got to always define it that way because a lot of people say they're walking by faith, but in truth they're not. And their, their words and their actions give them away. I've taught you this many times, and this is really not a teaching to go in depth into understanding all the aspects of faith. But faith is really simple when you think about it. It's just trusting God. But faith does have elements. There are elements to faith. Now, faith is in you, so the ability to do these things is there. I said the ability to do those things is there. Faith believes in the heart. Faith speaks with the mouth. Faith acts in line with what we know God said and what we believe. If you don't do that, you're not walking in true faith. I can claim I'm in faith, but if my mouth speaks otherwise, contrary to what God said, I'm not walking in faith. I can say I'm in faith, but my actions allow me to see otherwise that I'm not walking in line with what God said. I'm allowing the storms of life, the circumstances, situations I'm in, whatever, to determine how I live my life instead of the Word of God. I'm not walking by faith. See, Paul never allowed anything to move him away from faith. So we need to learn, amen, what it means to have backbone in relationship to faith. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, Paul writing to Timothy, a young pastor of the church at Ephesus in the New Testament... You therefore, my son, be strong, underline it, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, in what God enabled you with, what he already gave you. Say, I have faith. Verse 2, and the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, that's my responsibility, but it's also yours as a believer. Because what you learn here, you're supposed to do what? Help others with. But I am to simply take what I have learned through my leadership, 
through the Bible, they know is in line with Scripture, and I'm to commit that to others who are what? What? What do they got to be? Commit these two faithful men. I won't spend a lot of personal time with you if you're not going to apply what I teach you from the Bible. You should not do, with other, do so with other people. Now, when you're starting off with baby Christians, it, you know, it's like raising a baby. There are going to be some times that you're going to have to struggle with them and work through with it. But the point I'm making is, obviously, there's people who have been walking with God for a long time. Guess what I'm not going to keep doing for people that don't want to show up to church? I'm not going to keep calling them and going and dealing with them. If they've been walking with God for years and know they should be here, I'm not going to keep going back to you if you're not faithful to honor God with such a simple commitment. I'm not going to keep going back to people who are not faithful to God and walking out what Scripture teaches as it relates to their marriage or as it relates to their personal life or their finances. If they've known these things, learned them, know to do them, but choose not to. What's that mean? They're not faithful to what you're entrusting to them. What if you keep trying to pour that into them? I'll tell you what will happen. Jesus told us. They'll turn and rent you. Because you're casting your pearl before swine. Somebody that does not want to recognize it as valuable. I mean, what you're getting in the eyes of God is valuable. You know how valuable this word is? It is valuable. But if you treat it as not valuable, well, I'll guarantee you, I don't have a responsibility to try to get you to live it out if you're unwilling to live by what it says. Thank you for all your amens about that. But you also the same way. We're to, notice, he read it again. We're to commit to faithful men. We're to commit these things we've been taught to faithful men. And then they will be able to do what? Teach others also. Verse 3. You therefore must endure what? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to walk by faith without pressing through hard times in your life. Times when your body wants to challenge you. Times when your mind wants to challenge you. Times when your finances are being challenged. Times when other people are challenging. You listening? You must endure. You must endure. You must work through it. You must maintain a walk of faith and work through it. As a good soldier, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, no one engaged in warfare. You're in a battle. Like it or not, you're in a battle. But no one engaged in that warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Underline it, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Now, there's only one way to please God. And it's faith. Hebrews 11:4. it's impossible to please God without faith. And he just told you an element of what faith has in it that causes us to please God. We do not become entangled with the affairs of this life because we are a good soldier of Jesus Christ and we realize we're dealing with eternal consequences here. So we're not going to get caught up with loving the world, the things of the world more than God and cause the things of this life to become more important to us than God. But people do. And therefore, guess what? They're going through this life not engaging the enemy that's coming against this context of what we know, the body of Christ as a whole in the, in the earth. And therefore, we are not. Imagine if the church was not all entangled with the affairs of life and they were living like good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Any idea where the church would be today? Any idea how different the world would be today? But see, I don't have a responsibility for you to do that. You don't have a responsibility for me to do that. i got to work out my own salvation. So simply put, to be a good soldier, I will please God, meaning I'm walking by faith. So if I'm walking by faith, I've told you this many times. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith, the hall of faith chapter. All right? 
So, I mean, there's many things we talk about relating to what real faith is. But if you look at the context of just the basics of what Hebrews 11 teaches us about faith, what does it really come down to? Trust. If you trust God, you're going to do what he says. And all through that chapter, over and over and over again, what do you see over and over again in that chapter? Abraham was called by God to leave his family, to come out in the desert and to walk with God. And guess what Abraham did? Exactly what God said. And God called it faith. I said all the time, what did he do? What God told him. And God called it faith. Do you think that was easy? Do you think it was easy to go live in the desert? Do you think it was easy to start all over? Come on, do you think it was easy to leave everything that he had behind? And go out into the desert? How many of you want to go out in the desert with me tomorrow? Just leave everything behind. And just start all over in the desert, fresh and anew. And just begin out in the desert. That's not going to be easy. You listening? No, I need you to build an ark. By the way, he's only going to wind up with seven others that's going to help him do it. Some of you have been there to see the replica of what it actually looks like. Any idea what it would take to build that with no modern tools? Or no power tools? I have, a, I have a question. Was that easy to build? It wasn't, was it? But guess what? Noah got it done. And because he did, him and his family were spared. Come on, somebody. And because he built, uh, all God said is, I want you to build a boat for me. And because he did it, God called it faith. So I'm just here to tell you folks over and over and over again in the hall of faith. It's just God saying, I want you to do this. Yes, sir. And people did it. And guess what? It wasn't easy. They endured hardship. Come on. They endured hard times, hard challenges. But guess what they didn't do? They didn't quit. You want to know why? Faith has backbone. When you walk by faith, you have backbone. And I'm going to tell you right now, when the devil learns that you got some backbone about you because you're walking by faith, I, I guarantee he's going to realize this, kid, this person here, this gal, this guy, they're not so easy to sway. They're not so easy to back down. Are you still here? Number one on your notes, A, faith has a natural byproduct that comes with it that's called courage. Courage. If you have faith, guess what you have? Courage. 1B, faith is also what? It's bold. It's bold. Noah was bold. He was called a preacher of righteousness. What does that mean he was called a preacher of righteousness? I thought it was a boat builder. What do you think he's doing the whole time he's building the boat? People are walking by. Don't you know that people stopped and watched him? Come on. Especially after they started getting it built. Well, what do you think he was doing? He was preaching to them. You all need to come help. Get over here. Why? There's coming a storm. What's a storm? Don't know. God said there's one coming. They didn't know. Never seen it before. There's one coming. Well, what's that? I don't know. He just said there's going to be rain. He's going to flood the earth. I just know what he told me. Well, I think you're senile, old man. I think you've been out in the sun too long. They didn't listen to him because they didn't come help him. People of faith are so bold, they don't care. Now, wait a minute. I didn't say we don't care about people, but we don't let them alter what we're to do. Are you listening? If somebody wants to listen, be faithful. Come help. I'm going to help them. I said, I'm going to help them. If they wanted to come help, uh, help Noah, he'd have helped them. But they didn't, but he kept preaching to them anyway. Faith is bold. Say it. Therefore, if you have faith, guess what you are? Guess what you are? You're bold. That's not, that's not bragging, uh, braggadocious or, 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 or in, in essence, you know, mean or harsh or nothing. No, you're just bold because you believe God, you trust God, and you know God does what he says. 1C, faith has a power also, a power twin called patience. 
Patience isn't sit down and do nothing. No, 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 no. If you have patience, then you're what? You're patient, meaning what? Guess what? You're going to stick with it. If your patience, oh, excuse me, if you're patient, guess what you're going to do? You ain't going to back down. You're going to stick with it. You're going to stay with the stuff. Which leads to D, faith also has what? Endurance. If you have faith, guess what you never do? Underline it. You never, ever quit. Say it. You never, ever quit. Say it out loud. Shout it one time. See, if you truly have faith, you're not a quitter. You're not going to back down. You're not going to quit. You, it don't matter how hard it gets. You're not going to stop. You're not going to give up. You're not going to back, back away. No way, man. 1E, faith will cause you to live like a good soldier. A good soldier. And if you're a good soldier, then you have faith. If you, if you have faith, guess what? You are a soldier. Well, if you're a soldier, guess what that means? You're not entangled with the affairs of this life. Nothing of this life is more important to you than God. Your happiest times in life are daily with God. Your happiest times during the week are with your church family in the house of God. Not at a bowling alley. Not a, if, you're, if you have more fun fishing than you do coming to God's house, you are integral with the affairs of this life. I didn't say you can't go fishing. I didn't say you can't enjoy fishing. God made the lakes. God made the fish. I'm not telling you you can't do that. He had obviously disciples to fish themselves. But guess what? When Jesus showed up, drop the nets, boys. We're going to be with him. There's nothing more important in your life when you walk by faith than God. Nothing. As a good soldier, you realize I got a job to do. So I have a job to do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not just working with me. You are working together as a church to be able to do what God called us to do with your gifts and abilities. We're all called. I said we're all called. F, faith is not afraid of heart of a... Of a Hardness, I messed up there, sorry, typo. Faith is not afraid of hardness, it should say. Hardness, Mr. D in there. Faith, say it, faith is not afraid of hardness, hardships, hard times. Notice, if you have faith, then you will always endure what? Hardness, hardships, hard times. You're not afraid of them. If you walk by faith, you're not afraid of hard times to come. We're not asking them to come. Oh, I need some hard times to show up. You live in a fallen world, they're going to show up. But you're not afraid of them. You're not afraid of challenges. Ask, me, ask yourself this question. What one challenge did Jesus face that he was ever afraid of? Not one. Not one. Why? Because he walked by faith. 1G. Faith is towards God. Faith is always directed towards God. Now why is that important? You don't come and get your pastor to pray and have faith in his prayer. Won't work. You don't have faith in your pastor's faith. Won't work. Your faith has got to be directed toward God. He's the one you're putting faith in. Faith is toward God. If you have faith, guess what? You will turn, you will turn towards God and refuse to be entangled again with the affairs of this life. Why? Because you walk by faith. You want to please Him. 1H, good soldiers of Christ do not get involved with civilian affairs and cares. Doesn't mean we don't vote. Doesn't mean we don't do things. It just means we don't get caught up with those things and they become more important to us than God. Not for a good soldier. Can I get a better amen? Over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, just turn over a couple chapters, verse 7. Paul again, great example, great example of this. He makes a statement here in this letter towards the end of his life to this young prodigy that he raised up, Timothy, that he was now the pastor over. Timothy looking to him for leadership, and he makes this statement at the end of this letter to Timothy. I have fought 
the good fight. I have finished the race. Underline it. I have kept the faith. Underline it. Not a lot of Christians can honestly say that. That they've kept the faith to the end. Never gave up on God. Never quit trusting God. Never quit believing God. But Paul did. And Paul went through all kinds of hardships. But he never allowed it to take his, his love away from his God. His, his, uh, his uh, commitment to his ministry. What he was called to do. I mean seriously. Most people today drug outside of city, city stone left for dead. They'd have been done preaching after that. I mean you got a lot of ministers today leave the pulpit just because they're not liked anymore. The minute they don't get liked, they're going off somewhere else trying to find somebody to like them. The Lord spoke to me the other day, said there's two kinds of pastors primarily there, son. Pastor A, the one that wants to be liked. This came out of, out of uh, Terry's message. When Terry said motive, that rung a bell in my spirit. And the Lord after that spoke to me and said, every minister in the pulpit, like every human, has a motive. Every minister has a motive in that pulpit. There are many ministers in the pulpit that want to be liked. If they want to be liked, they're going to tickle your ears. They're not going to touch on any ouchy words. They're not going to teach you the whole Bible. Because if they teach you the whole Bible, you're going to get offended. You listening? Has anybody ever been offended by the preaching of the word? Now, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. Because the truth is, we all get offended. I'm going to tell you why. Because your flesh don't like it. See, the offense part is not the spirit man you. It's your flesh saying, I don't like that. I don't like that. So you get offended. What you don't want to do is do what? Take the offense from your flesh. Say, no, I'm going to do what the Bible said. So the offense comes, just don't take it. You listening? So realize, you know, he's talking about motive. And the Lord speaks to me uh, last night about this thing about motive. And he said, Pastor A's motive is to be like, so he won't preach the whole truth because he wants people to like him. You can't preach the whole truth and be liked by the majority of your congregation. Pastor B, his motive is to help his people to walk in the light of what he has done, Jesus, for them, and to make him known. To fulfill his purpose, his will, their plan. And to do that, he's got to do what? Teach you the whole truth. Meaning he's not afraid to offend you. He's not afraid to upset you. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not talking about taking the Bible, trying to beat you down. No, but I guarantee you, truth defends the flesh. And so we got to decide which kind of pastor do we want. Well, guess what? A lot of Christians in the Bible prophesied, and it's coming to pass, they want Pastor A. And there's a bunch that are fulfilling prophecy today as prophesied what happened. But verse 7, the last part, I have kept what? What has he kept? The faith. I'm going to do a message coming up about enduring faith. Enduring faith. The Lord began to speak to me, took me to the, remember the parable about the, uh, it's a parable by the way. About this widow who rightfully had what was belonging to her, owed her, and she hadn't received it. And she goes to an unjust judge. Remember this? She goes to this unjust judge, get what I deserve. Get justice for me. Somehow she'd been wrong. Doesn't tell you what. It's just a parable. But she was trying to get justice for how she'd been wrong, what she rightfully had a right to. But the Bible says this judge was an unjust judge. He had no regard for man and no regard for God. Do not compare that judge to God. God's nothing like that. I for years have heard this taught. This is how I've heard it taught. That woman teaches us that you got to prevail in prayer till God answers. That's not what that parable teaches because God is nothing like the unjust judge. Matter of fact, Jesus even said later in the parable that that unjust judge, although he finally avenged her, guess what? He said, God will avenge you speedily. Quickly, not like the unjust judge. 
And listen to the parable. He said, listen to what the unjust judge said. Why? Because if you don't listen to what the unjust judge said, you're going to think God's being compared to the unjust judge, but he's not. The unjust judge said, I have no regard for man, no regard for God. Well, that ain't God. Everybody misses the parable of this parable. I'm going to give you an inside information up front, little advanced notice of what this parable is all about. You ready? That parable is about persistent faith. That parable is about walking by faith. Because guess what Jesus says at the end of the parable? You ready for this? Jesus said, when I come back, will I really find faith on the earth? There's the heart of the parable. There's the heart of the parable. How does she prove she has faith? I'm going to tell you how. Understand the basic simple truth about faith. We walk by faith and not by Guess what she didn't do? She didn't allow what she saw of this judge not responding to her. You're not comparing that to God. We're talking about her guilt going after what's rightfully hers. When you go after what's rightfully yours in this earth, Satan's going to try to stop you. But you know what she didn't do? She didn't allow the attitude of this unjust judge to stop her. A lot of people would just say, guess it ain't going to happen, and they'd have walked away. She didn't. She would not back down. Come on, somebody. She would not give in. You listening to me? She continued to go after this judge. And the judge finally did what? In that parable, he finally gave her what she wanted just because he was tired of messing with her. He was tired of her dealing with him. That's not God. That's the enemy. And the enemy's finally going to get worn down. Get tired of you messing with them. And finally realize, I don't have a right to hold this back from them. And they know it. Could I get a better amen? And this is why he said, can you, he asked the question, will I really find faith when I return? Will I really find people that have walked by faith and not by sight? I mean, Christians are so easily moved by what they see, what they feel, what they hear. If you're walking by faith, guess what you're not moved by? What you see, what you feel, what you, none of that moves you. Somebody shout amen. Poke your neighbor say, he's preaching better tonight again than your amen and praise God. Tell him he did it Sunday night too and you all were pretty quiet then, praise God. So realize God very clearly reveals through Paul that he did what? He fought the good fight of faith by keeping the faith. Number two, the apostle Paul in his farewell speech boldly declared to Timothy that he was a faith man all through his ministry and that it did what? It paid off for him. A, he fought a good fight. Say he fought a good fight. Notice this, A1. Yes, it was a fight. Underline it. It was a fight. Sure was. But it was a good one, not an evil one. This is the only fight the believer's called to fight. Now, wait a minute. When we talk about fighting the fight of faith, was this woman fighting a judge? No, she really wasn't. You know what she was fighting against? Her desire to stop going and dealing with the judge. Some of you will pick up on that tomorrow after lunch. She wasn't fighting the judge. If she was fighting that judge, what do you think that judge would have done? He'd have kicked her out of the courtroom. Get out of my sight. He'd have had her arrested. She wasn't fighting the judge. She had to fight her own context of her own will to not, to, that was certainly probably not wanting to go back before him again. Well, he's already said no. So you know what her reasoning is saying? Why go back? What's the fight of faith? You not getting out of faith. Guess who you're fighting with? Your old flesh. Your old fleshly nature that doesn't want to stay in the faith fight. Your old flesh wants to give in to what it sees, give in to what it feels, give in to what it hears. That's, that's your flesh. You're not fighting the devil. Ladies and gentlemen, 
God clearly told us in the Word of God, Jesus stripped him. You listening? God, through the Word of God, said Jesus already defeated him. He's already been put under your feet. We're not fighting the devil. Every time Christians try, oh, you know, you got to fight the devil. Here's just what you did. You just took on a foe and allowed him to step up and mess with you in a way that you should not have allowed him to because you're deceived thinking, i got to fight the devil. There ain't a verse in all the Bible that says you fight the devil. Show me one time Jesus fought the devil. Show me one time. Gardening said he didn't fight him. He fought his own flesh to not give in to what his will was and not fulfill the Father's will. Right? Not my will, Father. See, he wasn't fighting the devil. There's no, you kidding me? God and the devil. Is there any fight? Let's go back. Come on. Let's go back to when he was removed from heaven. What did Jesus say? Let me tell you about the devil and God. Let me tell you about the devil and God. When the devil rose up against God, this is how long, this is how long God put up with it. One swift kick to the rear end and he like a streak of lightning came down to the earth. There ain't no way. There's no fight. There's no fight between God and the devil. Are you listening? You are one spirit with the Lord. He's been put under your feet. Satan's under your feet. Jesus already defeated him by the blood. Don't fight the devil. You're you're falling to his deception and lie to get into a game to fight the devil. Use your authority. Put him back where he belongs when he tries to raise his ugly head. You rebuke him and you put him where he belongs. Just like Jesus did. What time did Jesus ever come up to anybody, demon possessed or whatever, say, okay, devil, come on. Let's see who's going to win here. Are you kidding me? No, one word, man, and he was dealt with. There is no fight to that. I said, there is no fight. It's called exercising your authority. What is the fight of faith? Get it down. You're fighting your flesh. Because to walk by faith, you cannot walk by what? Sight. You can't go by the feelings. Can't go by the emotions. Can't go by what you see, what you hear, what you... Can't go by the five senses. Well, what am I supposed to go by? The Word of God. What did God say? Because that's what your faith is based on. Amen. So he fought a good fight, A1. Yes, it was a fight, but it was a good one, A2. Paul tells us that he did fight. Some people live in the battle. I would say, this I'd say this way, the battle zone. But guess what? They never fight back. They never fight back against their flesh. They just give in. They just allow what's going on. Well, I guess it's just my lot in life. Okay, if it's your lot in life, is it in line with the Bible? Is it what God said is yours? Well, no. Then it ain't your lot in life. To be he... He, Paul, did what? Finished his course. How? 2-1. He didn't quit. Say he didn't quit. Therefore, he he wasn't what? Underline that statement. You don't know how powerful that is. He didn't quit. Therefore, he wasn't defeated. How do we not get defeated? We don't quit. Faith fighters don't quit. B2. he, He not only started his course and ministry, but he saw it come to what? Fruition. Fulfilled its purpose. How many remember what was the last assignment God gave him? You're going to go preach in Rome. So he's on his way as we're about to see to Jerusalem. And they're warning him, man, they're going to arrest you. They're going to beat you. They're going to do all this kind of stuff against you. Well, most people probably thought, hey, not going to Jerusalem then. But you know who? God told him to go there. So he obeyed God and went to Jerusalem. And guess what? When all these guys were saying, don't go, Paul, because you know what? They're probably going to kill you. Guess what Paul knew? Guess what Paul knew? They can't kill me. How did he know that? Because God said, you're going to testify for me before, before, for, for me before those in Rome. Well, I haven't been there yet. 
So guess what? They can't kill me. Because until I go to Rome, I'm not done. I said, uh, he wasn't done. So what did he do? See, he kept the faith. Say, he kept the faith. See, one, Paul kept his ministry and remained to be a true blue Christian all the way through. Uh, see, two, Paul was a preacher, was the, excuse me, was the preacher who reminded the rest of us not to end up as what? Castaways. All right, Acts chapter 20. <clears throat> say, praise the Lord. Shake your neighbor. Say, faith's got backbone. Acts 20. Acts chapter 20. We get in faith, you're going to be having some backbone about you. Jesus' name. As I heard from the Holy Spirit Monday night, we are warriors, not wimps. Far too many Christians are acting like wimps. We're not wimps, man. We're warriors. Do you have any idea who you are? Number three, true men and women of faith have a built-in tenacity. Underline that. They have a built-in tenacity that overcomes what? All odds and obstacles. Number three, bottom of page one. The men and women of faith, true men and women of faith, have a built-in tenacity that overcomes all odds and obstacles. And that's why they're not afraid of hardships. That's why they're not afraid of challenges. You know why? Because they know walking by faith, they win. I said they know walking by faith, they win. May not happen tomorrow, but they know walking by faith, they're going to do what? They're going to win. Acts chapter 20, verse 22. This is Paul referring to the very fact that he knows he's going to Jerusalem. He says, I don't know all that awaits me. But he had had prophets out over and over again. They're going to bind you. One guy, one prophet took his hands, tied his hands with a belt as he was on the way there. Said, this is what they're going to do to you when you get to Jerusalem. So he knew some bad things were going to happen. So you know what he said? Eh, man, I don't know. Maybe it's time to back down. Maybe it's time to quit. Maybe it's time to do something else. I think I've been a preacher too long. Maybe it's time to go back into tent making. Do something else that's not so dangerous. He didn't do that. I say he didn't do that. 22, notice what he said. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. What do you mean? God told me to go. I got to go. Doesn't matter what you tell me. I'm going. I'm obeying God. I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Well, let me help you. God's not going to tell you everything as it relates to bad things because a lot of people wouldn't stick with it. But God said, you're going to go. Warned him enough about some things, but you're going to go. 23, except that, notice what he said, the Holy Spirit testifies in every city. On his final trip to Jerusalem, every place he goes, he's getting prophecies saying, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Woo, glory to God. Woo, glory to God. Woo, glory to God. What are you saying glory to God for? Because that's what the Bible teaches you to do. The Bible says count it all joy when you face tribulations. Woo, glory to God. Chains away you. Glory to God. Tribulations away you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I count it joy. See, that's what faith does. Most of you look at me like that cow looking at a new gate. What would you be giving the glory to God? Giving glory to God for? Because you're walking in the will of God. If you're obeying God, doesn't mean you don't face hard times. Everybody loves the testimonies. They don't like going through the test. Right? Everybody loves talking about David and Goliath, but most people don't want to face Goliath. Come on, somebody. Again, he said clearly, notice this, the Holy Spirit saying, chains and tribulations await me. 23, look at 24, underline it. But none of these things move me. Underline it, highlight it, highlight it, circle it in your Bible. 
Shout it with me one time. But none of these things move me. What thing? What, I, what I'm seeing in the natural. What I'm hearing is going to happen in the natural. What I know I'm being told what's going to happen. That doesn't move me. Meaning what? It ain't going to alter my course. It ain't going to keep me from believing God. It ain't going to keep me from speaking in line with God. It ain't going to keep me from doing what God's called me to do. Come on, somebody. Think of the little things that move us off course with obedience to God's word. And Paul's facing the most challenging time of his life and said, none. None. Why? He was a man of faith. Come on, faith has a backbone. None of these things move me. Watch this. Here's why. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. I'm not living for me. I'm not living for me. I'm doing what God called me to do. So that I may finish my race with what? Tell me. Joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. See, people of faith are not focused on themselves. People of faith are not living to please themselves. Their life is not dear to them. Their desire is to do what? Finish their race, obey God, do what God called them to do. All right, notice this. 3A, but none of these things he said move me. Real faith causes you to be what? Tell me. Underline it. Immovable and sound. Sound in faith. Not, not, not fruity. Some people claim they're in faith. They're, they act fruity and weird and crazy. And no, faith don't make you act crazy. Faith causes you to live a sound biblical life. 3B, faith people do not count their own life dear to themselves. They only have their call in God on their minds. Powerful truth. Faith people do not count their own life dear to themselves. See, the stuff that bugs us so much, I'm going to tell you why. You count your life dear to yourself. You don't like it because it's messing with you in the natural. But if you don't count your life dear to yourself, you don't care. I said you don't care. You're going to fulfill your call on God anyway. And keep walking by faith. Thank you for all your amens tonight. 3C, notice this. They also do what? They set a pace to finish their course with joy. They set a pace to finish their course with joy. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. These are all actual uh, elements of what we see of people of faith. People of faith. These are all aspects of what we see of people of true faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's go over here to this letter Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Number 4. Number 4. When you realize, therefore, that a necessity has been laid upon you, you hush up and march. Well, there hasn't been no necessity laid upon me. Oh, yeah. Stick around after church and I'll tell you about it. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. You're all called to it. To reconcile people to God. To obey God with your life. To honor God with your life. To help God to be able to help other people. Come on, somebody. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. Paul stated this about context, therefore, of his calling. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast. If I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. Why? Because I'm not focused on me. I'm not trying to make me big. For necessity. What necessity is laid upon me? Because that's what he was called to do. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. What should we say? Woe is me if I do not serve in my church. Woe is me if I do not reach people around me. Woe is me if I don't honor God with my finances. Woe is me if I don't serve God daily. Because that's what we're called to do. 17, for if I do this willingly, 
Ah. See, we've got to do it willingly. What do we have? A reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. Say, I'm a steward. What are you a steward with? The life God gave you. You're a steward with the life God gave you. 4A. Too many people think that their call in God is an option. Think about that. Too many people think that they're calling God. We're not talking about fivefold here. We're not talking about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I'd include that. We're talking about just average daily believers. Everybody's called. Everybody is. But few are chosen. Why are few chosen? Few answer the call. How do you become the chosen? Answer the call of God in your life. Do what God's called you to do. Be a part of a body. Connect with a pastor. Serve in the church. Use your gifts. Use your abilities. Reach people with the gospel. Share the gospel. Come on, everybody. Go, go, go tell others the good news. So notice this again. 4A, too many people think that they're calling God as an option. 4B, woe unto you if you, do not, if you don't obey him and fulfill your call in this life. Thus saith the Bible, because Paul, speaking by the Holy Spirit, decreed it. For see, Paul declared that he must what? That he must, no option, preach. We're all called to proclaim the good news. We're all called the commission of Matthew 28, Mark 16, is not to just fivefold ministry. We're all called to go share our faith. Can I get a better amen? If all we do is rely on fivefold ministry, a lot of people aren't going to hear the gospel. We're all called to do it. Mark chapter 5. I love this one here. About this wonderful lady uh, in the Bible known as the lady with the issue of blood. Can't wait to meet her in heaven. Faith persists, number five, until it gets what it went after. Faith persists until it gets what it went after. Faith never backs down until it gets what it's going after. Never, ever, never. Never. If it's true faith, it never stops, never quits, never gives up. You can start faith and quit, but true faith won't. True faith's going to stay at it. Mark chapter 5, 25, if you're there, say amen. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. 12 years. 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. They had messed her up pretty bad with all the different things they had tried on her. And she had, notice, spent all that she had was broke. And, had, and notice, and she was no better, but even actually had grown worse. Not much hope looking like for most people, right? But guess what? 27, when she heard about Jesus. Come on, somebody. When she heard about Jesus. She came behind him in the, in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, why do we need to know that she came behind him in a crowd? Why would you, you know, everything's in the Bible for a reason. Why would we need to know that? A woman in her condition with the flow of blood coming out of her legally could not get around a crowd. You weren't permitted to. You had to stay away from them, just like lepers. If you were caught around a crowd, you could be then actually executed. She's risking her own life by going through this crowd to get to Jesus. 28, for she said, say she said. Notice, she said to herself, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, he got a crowd around him. Knowing that power went out from him, he turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my clothes? Similar to electricity, not the same. If you get obviously shocked by electricity, you know it because you feel it. It's a type of power. The Holy Spirit is a type of power that you can actually tangibly notice and recognize at times and feel. Or how would Jesus have known that this power had left him? 
31, but his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling. Why? Why? Why was she fearing and trembling? Man, I'll tell you why. First of all, she's pressed through this crowd, not supposed to do that. She's gotten her answer without actually knowing for sure would he do this for her. She's not knowing how he's going to react to that. But notice this, knowing what had happened to her, she came and she fell down before him and she told him the whole truth. 34, and Jesus said, daughter, underline it, your faith has made you well. And so will yours. I said, and so will yours. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in peace. I'm not upset at you. This is what I'm here to do. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Number five, A on your notes. Faith reaches out. The lady with the issue of uh, the lady with the issue of blood, 12 years, did what? She said within herself. She started saying within herself. See, faith begins to rehearse within itself what God's word says. Therefore, she also, number two, did what? Took all risks. Risking her life, going into the crowd. But number three, what did she do? See, faith reaches out. She pressed in. Four, she reached out and did what? Touched him. Five, what was she doing? She exposed herself. But six, guess what she got? She got her miracle. Putting these works to her faith took great courage and backbone. Come on. Putting uh, putting these works to her faith took what? Great courage and what? Backbone. You got to understand, saying within yourself is what faith does. Faith speaks in line with the word. Faith and fear are identical in the sense of how they work, but they're opposites. Fear is a type of faith. Watch this. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Evidence of what is not seen. I have to have an expectation of what God said in His Word for me to now attach faith to it. And know I now have what I can expect based on his word. Faith becomes a substance of what you hope for. You have no hope in anything of what you can believe for God unless you find out what you can put your hope in. When you find the promises of God, you now have something to put hope in. I can expect that to come because he promised that's mine. Faith now becomes the substance, substance, evidence that I have what I've put my hope in. And if I stay in faith, guess what? It's coming to pass. Fear's the same thing. Fear's identical. Fear is us choosing to actually operate in faith in reverse. Fear has also something similar to hope. It's called worry. Fear latches on to worry. An image, what you picture, what you begin to think about. And when you begin to allow your mind to look at the things of life, the circumstances of life, and allow worry to start, fear latches onto it. Fear becomes the substance of what you're worrying about. And it begins to draw it to you. Are you listening? But when we fill our minds with the Word of God, and we choose to accept His Word as a fact in our life, and when we allow our mind to only think upon that very truth and believe in it and speak it, guess what faith does? It draws that to you. But this is why you can't be in faith and fear from your heart and see faith work. You can have fear challenge you, but you better deal with it. 
and get rid of it in Jesus' name. Worry totally annihilates faith because worry is a hope. Guess what? Worry is a hope in something that hasn't happened yet. Just like hope in God is in something that hasn't happened yet. So you start worrying over something that hadn't even happened yet. Oh my gosh, what if I don't pay my bills? Well, guess what? Doesn't mean you won't, but you're already worried about something that you haven't even done yet. See, worry is a type of hope in reverse. It hadn't happened yet, but fear will latch on to it, and it'll become the substance of that, and it'll start drawing it to you and see that it comes to pass. But faith does the same thing in God. When I get hope in the promises of God, and I now understand and know through the Word of God that i got to get in faith, receiving it as already mine, faith latches on to it, and it draws it to me, and it comes to pass. Can I get a better amen? Go to Mark chapter 10. Let's look at another example. You get anything tonight? Say faith has a backbone. Look at this. Mark chapter 10. Look at this blind man, blind Bartimaeus. Mark 10, verse 46, 10, 46. Now they came to Jericho as he, Jesus, went out of Jericho with his disciples in a great multitude. Notice this. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, he sat by the road begging. And when he heard, say he heard. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. And say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Right thing to say for him. Why? Jesus hadn't died yet. Jesus hasn't paid, hadn't paid the price for our healing. So you had to get to him. Or he had to get to you. He didn't have to now because now by his spirit he lives in you. And he's fulfilled that promise. But for blind Bartimaeus to get healed, he got to get Jesus' attention. And he got to get him to come to him. Now notice the statement, Jesus, son of David. What does that mean? He believed he was the Messiah. A lot of people didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Believed he was a prophet. Great prophet, but didn't believe he was the actual Messiah. You know how many Jews today on the earth are still waiting for the Messiah to come? They don't think he's come yet. But those who declaimed him as the son of David know that as a fulfillment of prophecy, he would come of the descendancy of David and therefore fulfill that prophecy. And that's why he called him son of David, because he believed he was the Messiah. Notice what else he asked for him. Have mercy on me. Meaning what? You know why God will heal you? Because he loves you. You know why God wants you well? Because he loves you. Same as you want your kids well. 48. Then many warned him. Watch this. Not a few. Not a few. Many warned him to do what? Be quiet. Shut up, old man. You're going to bother the master. Leave him alone. Notice. But he cried out what? Come on. He cried out what? He ain't listening to what others are saying. He's not letting them deter him. He cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus did what? Stood still. Uh Uh-oh. And commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise. He's calling you. He, throwing aside his garment, rose and came to who? Now that's already an act of faith right there. Blind people in that day actually had a, a certain type of garment that they actually kept with them that revealed to people they're blind. So they knew they were blind. Well, he's throwing the garment off, man. I'm not going to be blind anymore. Come on, somebody. 51, I don't need that garment anymore. The master's calling me. I'm not going to stay blind. Jesus answered and he said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Well, why would Jesus ask that? Don't you know he's blind? Well, sure he does. But you know what he has to have? Faith. He has to have faith to operate in your life. You got to decree to him what you're believing for. 
Well, notice, what do you want me to do? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus on the road. Pretty awesome. A lot of people try to discourage him. How stupid do you think those people felt now? Come on, somebody. See, stop allowing other people to influence you to get out of faith. I said stop allowing even close relatives. Well, how are you feeling today? Good. Jesus' name. Well, Jesus' name. You know, we're, we do it a lot because we care about people. You know, how are you feeling today? How are you doing today? But I'll tell you what, we're not going by how we feel anyway. Are we? We're not supposed to walk by how we feel. Are we? Come on, I do it as well. I'm just because just you want to know, you're kind of concerned. But if you're in faith, what do you say? I'm well in Jesus' name. I'm healed in Jesus' name. B, faith cries out. Say, faith cries out. Notice, blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus yelled more and more until his need was met. One, he called out. Right? In the first one, faith did what? Reached out. In the second one, faith did what? Called out. He called out even after others told him to be quiet. Two, he called out even what then? louder three he called out constantly and what relentlessly just like the widow with the with the you know the wicked uh, judge four he was what whose whose attention did he get he was noticed by jesus so will you be five he was picked out of the whole crowd by jesus six he was told by others that jesus was calling for him seven he was what totally made whole putting these works to his faith took great courage and backbone Come on, John 9. Hallelujah. Say, faith has backbone. When you walk by faith, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to get some backbone about you. John chapter 9, verse 1. 9, verse 1. Jesus passed by and he saw a man who was blind here again. Another blind man, blind from birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Which one was it of his parents that he was born blind that sinned? Which one? Neither. Neither. Why was he born blind? Why was he born blind? Why was he born blind? True, true that Jesus says that, but why was he born blind? I'm going to tell you why. Adam sinned. If Adam wouldn't have sinned, he would have never been born blind. There would have been no evil work in the world. Satan would have hadn't had a chance to get a foothold. Because he did, Jesus came to do what? Glorify the works of the Father. Show you that Satan's been defeated. Why was he born blind? Because Adam and Eve sinned. You listening? Why does anybody have cancer? Because Adam and Eve sinned. If they wouldn't have sinned, there'd have been no cancer. There'd have been no blindness. There'd have been none of these things in the earth. So Jesus answered, well, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But that the works of God should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him. Meaning that, okay, because sin entered the world and this man was born blind, I'm here to work the works of him who sent me. Verse 4, while it's day, while he was still with them, and the night is coming when no one can work, when he'll be in the earth three days and three nights. And as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Say he's still here. Why? It's now day again. It's now day again. Why? You're the light of the world. You and I are the light of the world. I said, you and I are the light of the world. The Bible tells you so. 
Verse 6, when he had said these things, he did what? Spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Why? God told him. He did everything. I only do what I see the Father doing. You listening? I'm only doing what I see the Father doing. Why did he do this? We don't know why. We could truly understand the, mind being, the man being born blind. Where would your eyes come from? Dust to the ground. Something's missing. Something's missing that needs to be there. You listening? What are your eyes made of? What's your whole body made of? Was formed of the dust of the ground. Why is he taking, why is he spitting on the ground and making some clay with it? He's missing something. Something didn't get there, put there at the start. So he's going to put it there supernaturally. You listening? Seven, he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated since. So he went and washed and came back seeing. There still has to be an element of faith for it to work. And verse 7 is the element of faith. And I'm going to show you why. On your notes, uh, number C, faith obeys. Say it, faith obeys. Come on, faith reaches out. Faith speaks out. And faith obeys. Say it, faith reaches out. Faith speaks out. And faith does what? It obeys. In fact, obedience to God and His Word creates the atmosphere for miracles. Proof by that story. How you know? See, one, the blind man had to have courage to do something even after Jesus touched him. Why? Because he can't see. Right. Two, Jesus put the... Think about this. He's, he, Jesus is anointed and the anointing's on him. So he grabs this clay. He sticks in his eyes, rubs on his eyes. Well, Jesus then does what? Puts the healing anointing on him. But notice this. It never manifested until he did something in corresponding uh, action. The anointing was there, but it didn't get activated until he went and did what Jesus told him to do. He didn't get anointed when he got to the pool of Siloam. He got anointed when Jesus put his hands on him. When Jesus rubbed that dirt on his eyes. You listening? So the anointing was already there, but it's laying there waiting for action, faith, to go to work. You know what it's like? Holy Spirit at the creation of the earth is hovering over this ball of water and then God did what? Spoke. And when he decreed by action, light be, guess what the Holy Spirit did? He went and made it happen. Three, C3, he came to Jesus blind, listen, and and when he left his presence, he was still what? He was still blind. He had to go to that pool. He still can't see. But he obeyed. Say he obeyed. He did what God told him to do. For he obeyed, though, and he went and washed in the pool of Siloam. Result five, his obedience paid off. He was totally made whole. Come on, somebody. See, obedience provides the atmosphere for miracles. You have to learn to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. You have to learn to obey God. At times when you're actually praying and talking to him about things in relationship to the very work of God, the power of God working, you got to realize, so do we just go around now and spit on the ground and make clay of the spittle and put it on everybody's eyes? No, not if the Holy Spirit don't tell you. Come on, somebody. Hebrews 11. You really can't touch on faith without at least looking at this one verse. Hebrews 11, 1 in closing. Now faith is, underline it. Now faith is what? Substance. Substance of what? Things hoped for. Faith is what? Evidence. What is it? Evidence. 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 Another word, title deed. Faith is the title deed of what? Things not seen. Things that aren't there yet. Things that aren't manifest yet. 
I mean, there's a lot to this. On your notes, if you'll notice this on, on the key last part of what we're looking at on your notes there, faith is always what? Present tense. So when we're in faith, what are we talking? Present tense. When we're in faith, we're not talking, I'm believing God to be healed. It's not faith. Faith is now. Faith is always present tense. When you're in faith, you're decreeing it already done. Romans 4.13, God who calls those things that do not exist as though they were. Just like Terry told you. He doesn't call what exists as though it didn't. He calls what doesn't as though it did. Why? That's what faith does. Faith speaks in the now. Faith doesn't speak in the future or the past tense. It speaks in the now. You go to God's word. You find out what you have a right to now. And faith begins to decree that's already mine now. Again, now faith is. The word now, if you look it up in the context of the Greek language, isn't there. It's actually not in the actual Greek rendering. But the word faith is, is in the Greek rendering. Notice it didn't say faith was. It didn't say faith will be. It said faith is. So now is actually a proper adding to simply emphasize the importance of understanding faith has a tense. Faith has a tense. Faith is present tense. Faith isn't past tense. Faith isn't future tense. Faith is now. And faith has to speak. Faith has to decree. Amen? And faith is also a substance. Substance. Tangible. Tangible? Yeah. It's even a what? Title deed. The word evidence means a title deed. Guess what? You can literally take example. You can take a vehicle that you own. You have a title deed to it. Now, you could literally take that title deed anywhere on the planet and show it to somebody and say, I own this car. Well, how do I know? You're just holding a piece of paper. I own this car. Why? It's a title deed. It's got my name on it. it tells you exactly what the car is. I own that car. You don't have to see the car for me to show you proof. I own that car because I have a title deed. Just because you can't see the car don't mean I don't have the car. Just because you can't see God's promise don't mean I don't have God's promise. This is my title deed. I come to you with the title deed that's got my name on it and say, guess what? By the blood of Jesus, I own this. I own healing. I own God's blessing. I own deliverance. Come on, I own freedom. I own peace. I own love. Well, you don't look like, I don't matter what you see. This is my title deed that says I got it. And as long as I get my heart and mouth and actions in line with the title deed, people will see it manifest. But you don't have to show it to them in the natural to actually have proof. Why? Because faith is a substance. So what is the substance to faith? This is it. This is your substance. This is your proof. This is your title deed. Because the only way you can have faith in God is you've got to know God said it. You've got to know God promised it. Right? Abraham couldn't have faith in having a child at the age of 100 with, Mary, with a Sarah uh, barren, unable to have kids without God saying, you're going to have a child. Now, once, once God said you're going to have a child, he has, now what? He has substance. Always right. right. oh, got God's words. It's substance. Remember what Jesus said in John 6, 63? My words are spirit and they are life. What's that mean? They're substance. This is substance. This is the substance that tells me of what I can claim and know that I already have once I get faith in my heart for it. I'm not going to see it as all one day going to be. No, 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 no. There's my title deed. You want to know why I got healing? Title deed. You want to know why I got freedom? Title deed. You want to know why I got authority over the enemy? Here's my title deed. Because it says I do. Now you got to believe it. 
You got to believe it. But this is your title deed. This is your evidence. This is your substance. Can I get a better amen? Faith has a backbone. Faith has a backbone. Come on, somebody. And you and I are to walk by faith and not by sight. If you're walking by faith and not by sight, can I help you? You got backbone. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.